You're listening to the John Clark Cast, formerly the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. My name is John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist and a brand builder, marketing consultant, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. So glad you're here today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's dive in. Amber Lida is on the show. Hey, hey, hey. Did I get that right? You did, yeah. I was trying to add you on Skype right before this, and I typed in your, you know, Amber Lida 76 or whatever, and there's like 150 Amber Lidas out there. Seriously? And and about 149 of them were Asian. And that's, I know. that's how I knew that they weren't you. Because <laughs> I've been on so many videos that now you know. <laughs> well, it just, it made it a little bit easier, but I still couldn't find you but i just yeah, thought that was good. interesting good i am on the dl yeah exactly <laughs> i'm obsessed you. with your shirt and i feel really bad for our podcast thank you that can't see it because that shirt is awesome well, they're gonna have to head to youtube then yeah. to experience the glory uh thank you for noticing my shirt it's like it's my new favorite shirt and uh i was actually shopping with my mother which is usually not fun <laughs> Usually means me like telling her she should probably spend a little bit less on David uh, Yerman jewelry. Oh God. Yeah, that's like her kryptonite. <laughs> but she also like my mom will like go to the gym once and be like, I think I deserve something. I think I should get a necklace for yeah. for that. Like she she is a treat yourself lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um we were at the mall and I was like, Oh, you know, I really don't like shop. I really hate shopping. Um, but I tend to do it online if I'm going to, yes. like just order a bunch of crap. But then I saw the shirt and I was like, oh, it's really nice. It's also really expensive. But then I was like, fuck it. That's right. Treat your Sam self. Yeah. Every now and then you have to. So. Yep. Yep. I treat myself before I work out. I'm like, you know, I really, <laughs> if I had those hostess Twinkies and a new workout outfit, yeah. then totally I could go work out. Yeah. That would really set the stage for... <laughs> right. Just priming yourself for energy now. The yeah. sugar rush has kicked in. <laughs> I do. I do end up thinking about what I'm going to do after my workout before I've even done my workout. You know, it's like, oh, if I do this workout, I could, I could try that new IPA that I've been, you know, eyeing or whatever. <laughs> I can't. I don't have that much self control. <laughs> the two don't even get linked. I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't been to the gym in seven weeks, so probably soon I should go. <laughs> It's funny what what motivates us, or and what doesn't motivate us sometimes. Yeah, it's the new workout outfit. That's all I got. I just have to, you know, drop some money on a workout outfit, and I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally go to the gym now. <laughs> You're like I feel different today. I don't know. Right. I just feel I feel sporty. <laughs> or gear, you know, like the gloves, the workout gloves. I'm the only oh, yeah. person in the gym with workout gloves on. But what, what kind of like weightlifting gloves? Or yeah, yeah. That's I started Olympic weightlifting recently. Okay. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I haven't killed myself yet, but that could happen. So, what what drew you to that? Uh, my husband. So we did a, a bunch of weightlifting. I like weightlifting way better than cardio because cardio makes me want to kick somebody in the face. <laughs> but weightlifting feels like okay. Well, it's going to be done sooner. I can like 
when you're on a cardio machine, it tells you how many calories you've burned. And I know how many calories are in a Coke or beer. Oh, it's so discouraging, right? So it's like, what is the point? This is doing nothing. But with weightlifting, I can believe that my muscles are burning calories all day long. So it feels more efficient. I'm a fan of efficiency. So my husband's like, I love Olympic weightlifting and you should try it. And I was like, okay, let's, let's try it. So it's, it's ugly. There are some scary videos out there. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I clearly don't Olympic weightlift, but how is it different than regular weightlifting? I don't even know. So there are really only three lifts in Olympic weightlifting and they all involve your whole body and they're fast. And it's sort of like, um, if you see those guys that do the weightlifting competitions and they lift it from the floor and then all of a sudden it's over their head oh, and they yeah. just have to like get under the bar. That's basically Olympic weightlifting. It's it's fast. There are long recovery times between lifts, and um, you basically are only doing three things. No wonder you like it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, You're like what? hacking the system. Exactly. You're right. Like weightlift right. hacking. How can I do as little work as possible and still give my credit, get my credit <laughs> for having done it? Well, do you, are you getting jacked? Like, where you feel like it's no. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Cool. You have to go consistently to do that. So no. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I watched this documentary about CrossFit the other night. It's on Netflix. I forget what it's called, but just you know, look for CrossFit on Netflix. It was recommended to me. It was like ninety nine percent match. So I was like, okay, I don't know what this is all about. Um, and I've all I've always thought CrossFit is like just extremely broy, and the people that do it just seem extremely bro um, yeah. but the documentary was really good i ended up watching the whole thing and getting a little bit emotional it was more of just about how insane crossfit people yeah. are and how committed yeah. and how uh, single-minded they are about this thing yeah um, and they're just freak athletes so i have more appreciation for it but i still think some of the things they do like throwing bales of hay it's like dude you're not on a farm you don't don't pretend right. you're a farmer right. when you're a CrossFit person. So some of the like activities always kind of make me laugh, but I, re I kind of respect it and appreciate it now. Yeah, those people are not messing around. They're they're truly dedicated. My I do have an anti-CrossFit stamp. <laughs> Good. We're, so we're going to get along just fine. <laughs> we're going to have a little controversy on the show. But a lot of times those people end up injured because oh, they're always injured. Yeah. are just pressing for more without any focus on like, how should your form be? Like, let's talk about anatomy. And I like the science of all of that yeah. stuff. So again, I'm just going to promote Olympic weightlifting good, as good. the safest kind of muscle building activity okay. empirically supported. I did look this up. You would. And, yeah, I, I totally would. You're the person, you're the clinical psychologist walking around the gym going, actually, and people are like, what are you, like, I'm trying to work out. They like have their headphones in and you're like, did you know, there's a 2017 study out of Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. So you guys should try it. And if you're into CrossFit, you should try Olympic weightlifting and see what happens. Well, they did this part and it's like the CrossFit games or whatever they call them. And they just, they just do random stuff for these athletes. And some of them, they've never done these activities. And my favorite one was they go from like lifting normal weights or doing like a deadlift to fuck it. Let's make a mountain bike. <laughs> let's give okay. them mountain bikes. And so there's like 20 super jacked people and they all look huge. They're like three times the size of the mountain bike. And it's like, well, you're jacked. So hopefully you can mountain bike. And some of them can, cause they're like, 
you know, they just do that in their spare time. But then some of them are like, well, my muscles don't work for this activity, right. but thanks. So they anyway, look going, good, but yeah, they look great. No, <laughs> but going back to the like injury thing, it was like, let's just, you know, try to break their bodies for the next seven days and yeah. call yeah. it, call it working out. It's like American Ninja Warriors. Same premise. It was kind of like that, but without yeah. the like loud commentator, like, or like the, you know, like overdubs. So, you know, what we're revealing here is that we're the people that sit on the couch watching other people work out and, mo- and mock them. <laughs> right. And t- yeah. Talk about, it's like, I'm not even doing CrossFit. I'm trying to stay uninjured. Right. Like that's as right. if that's my real reason for not doing CrossFit. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating my dairy and my Doritos. Yeah. 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 I'm saving up <laughs> carb dairy loading for next week's workout. Right, right. Well, I guess we should talk about something relevant today. I guess. I guess. Um, no, I've been I've been really enjoying what you've been up to. I I watch a lot of your Facebook lives while I'm watching my CrossFit documentary. I watch right. <laughs> Be efficient because I can't just do one thing in today's no. technical uh, age. But um, tell people who you are and you know what they should know about you. Well, I am a CrossFit national champion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now they really have to go to YouTube to be like, right, is, is, is right, right. Uh, my name is Amber Lida, and I am an online clinician. I have a full-time online private pay, private practice. And then I also do consultation and coaching for other folks who are wanting to have an online practice, either part-time or full-time. Man, you got that nailed down. I just made that up. There's now. also a lot of peas in there, and you you nailed them <laughs> gracefully, like a like an Olympian of some Olympian of words. That's what I do while I'm watching CrossFit videos. Just pop, 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 just pop, practice. Pop, I, practice. <laughs> <laughs> I did say the word practice the other day on the show 175 times in a row, and then no, but really, and then well, roughly. And then it started feeling really weird. And you know when your mind gets stripped up sometimes and you yes. start going, that's a weird word. Yes. Practice. What is it? Maybe you know the name for that, but. No. <laughs> I could cite a study. No, no, I don't know the name for that. Or you forget a common word. That's a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing a, this is going to sound like a total random story. I was doing a um, audio book. So I was narrating an audio book for Audible Oh, wow! That's and, cool. you know, never having done anything like that before. And I was so nervous and I'm in the little sound booth and the guys on the other side and they give you these headphones and it sort of is your voice like yeah, a little yeah. bit ahead. Right. Okay. So I was like, this is super weird. And I was doing okay. And then I got stuck on this word that I've pronounced one way my whole life because I've only ever read it. And the guy kept interrupting me and he would say, no, 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 it's pronounced this way. <laughs> okay. Okay. I tried to do it again. I couldn't ever get, I can't even remember the word now. Oh, it's like damn. such a block, but it must've been 27 times of me being like, I can't say the word. I'm going to have to, I'll have to come up with it later and I'll email you. But it was super freaking frustrating. It was, it was exactly that. My brain was just stuck. Like, nah, that's not how you say it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. It's, it's penguin, not penguin. Right, right, right. Penguin? Is it penguin? Is it penguin? Yeah. Penguins. Um what what the he- what book was this? What book were you reading? And uh yeah, so my ex uh partner wrote a book and uh 
we just decided to narrate it together. So we did. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, it was super fun. So Outside it's still of- out there somewhere, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They edited I, out that one I don't need to word. promote it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not your call to action for today? No, no, that's not going to be my call to action. I get no proceeds from that. So we'll just, you know, stick to the online therapist group. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, being on John's show was great, but I didn't. nothing happened after, like... <laughs> No we one, called, no one followed, followed up. Yeah, the book sales went way up for my ex's book and <laughs> just lost an hour of my life that I'll never get back. That's basically my show in a nutshell. Or the, <laughs> That's the way my show is heading is that. And <laughs> Kelly Higdon was on. We talked about haircuts for three episodes in a row without meaning to. Oh, my. Like in, oh. the, in the early banter. So. Well, just so that your your followers are aware, like I am prepared. I've got Look I've got that. your tips, like color coded. So if you don't get them, then it's John's fault. That's that's I got them <laughs> right here. I'm ready. <laughs> it is my fault. I will. That is you're right about that. Um, yeah, and we've gone back and forth. Like I've and I've been on shows that are extremely structured, and I felt this incredible pressure to say something incredible, like you know, boom, 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 and then it's over. Mm-hmm. And those shows are good. Like, you know, some of those where you just get in and get out and, but it's very transactional. It's very much like yeah. Amber. I, we, we need to know three things to make an online business work. And if not, then we're going to freak out, you know, yeah. no yeah. fluff. But um, I don't know. I like a little bit of fluff and I think therapists do too. I, I think know. they also like, they want to get to know somebody. So there's that like, chit chat is getting to know a person and build trust and knowability and likability. So I don't know that anybody wants to take any of my advice if they don't know me a little bit before I give it to them. Well, and you've, you have, I think accomplished that with, um, with your group in particular, because you just show up for them. I just, I see you doing that a lot. Um, you show up, you check in, like you really care. Um, How did you, learn how to do that? <laughs> well, um, I have no children. So my <laughs> maternal instinct is like just all on my dogs and then on my online therapist group. So it has to get expressed somewhere and it's showing up in that group. Yeah. That was not, I didn't intend for that group to become what it has become at all. I started it as a place to just download all of the stuff I was learning about online therapy in the early days when I was first starting. And I was like, maybe I could get a few people in here who know what they're doing and I could learn from them and we could share information, but nobody really knew what they were doing. So it just became a hub of information. And as people joined, I just got invested in their practice. And I've always worked in college counseling or community counseling where you have a whole staff of colleagues to have relationships with and working from home, I didn't have that. So these became my colleagues. And in some ways, you know, as a training director for a while, they became like my interns or my supervisees, you know, and I just want them to have a really awesome experience. And my life is so much better now having this practice and this flexibility that it feels like, if I'm not sharing how to get here with other people, then that feels super selfish. Like, if I'm chilling by my pool, then probably I should offer somebody a tip that day. <laughs> <laughs> how has it been for you to go from having a, you know, a, 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 a 
typical job at a college counseling center. And in that setting, you're really connected with people. I mean, you're like mm-hmm. you're probably pretty, um, yeah, pretty surrounded, pretty supported. I mean, you're all connected yeah. together. And even though you might be seeing 35 clients a week in college counseling, you're very much there. You're on this campus. It's buzzing, like yeah. people everywhere. That tell, tell us about that transition and also how you stay connected um, now that you're completely online. Yeah. I I was a little bit concerned about that when I left. So I did some things to make sure that I was staying connected with friends. But as it turns out, I'm so introverted that working from home just is an amazing fit for me. It's not going to be for everybody. If you're really extroverted, I can imagine it would get very lonely and you would really need to build in some cushions. Um, But I freaking love it. And I think I get my need for connection met through the group. I mean, that's why I show up live so often because I'm like, Oh, I need to talk to somebody and my dogs will not speak back, you know, so I can interact there. And now I'm also addicted to this app. You're welcome called Voxer Uh where you can like, it's sort of like, remember the old phones where you could beep and talk to somebody and it was obnoxious because you could hear other people's conversations while you're walking around. I was like, uh, what are they called? Like CB radios. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few apps like that. Yeah. So this is kind of like that. You can leave little voicemails for each other. You don't have to type, which I'm really bad at. So I love it. And that's how I stay in touch with like my immediate crew. Is it kind of like um, Marco Polo, but without the video component or what? Is it like just voice clips? Yeah. Okay. Marco Polo is like voice and video, like sending a Snapchat to someone back and forth and then it goes away. So it's it's kind of like that? Yeah. Yeah. Vox. Okay. This is interesting. Um, yeah, I use it with my virtual assistant all the time, Kim. So it's so much faster than emailing. I can just be like, blah, 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 blah. And if she happens to be on the same time, then we're just going back and forth. And if not, she listens to it whenever she has the time to. It's like a walkie talkie for adults. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Or people pretending to be adults. (laughs) Yeah. Or people (laughs) pretending to have walkie talkies. Right. Their phones. It'd be cool to have a cell phone shaped like a walkie talkie and just fool everyone and they're like, dude, is that a walkie talkie? No, it's actually the iPhone X, but, uh, <laughs> it doesn't like, fit in your pocket, yeah. but and there's a wristlet you can order with it. <laughs> yeah. Antenna that goes way out the top. It'd be <laughs> super cool. Um, this is what'll happen. I'll derail this episode. If you're not, if you don't keep it on the rails. I was just thinking you could use the antenna as a pointer, like while you're doing slideshows at oh, yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. I use it oh. to point people out just in public. <laughs> Just get your shit together, buddy. Yeah. That shirt is not matching. Yeah. I'd just be pointing out CrossFit people in public. <laughs> you do CrossFit, bro? Pointing with my walkie-talkie. <laughs> Eating Doritos. <laughs> Eating Doritos and just chugging Go-Gurts. Oh, um, who knows? Um, how did you get your... <laughs> there's no smooth You're transition. You're like, we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get your first online client? Um... So you may have noticed about me, I can tend to be pretty enthusiastic and I like to share enthusiasm. So when I was setting up my introvert, (laughs) right, right. I know it's weird. When I was setting up my practice, I was talking about it constantly on my personal Facebook page. And, um, so like all my poor friends and friends of friends knew. And then I started getting private messages from people saying like, Hey, my friend has anxiety. Would you be able to talk with him? And initially I was just doing free consults all over the place. Cause I was like, well, my practice isn't really ready, but I'm happy to talk to them and, you know, see if I can tell them what kind of therapist would be a good fit. 
And then eventually I talked to this person and they were a perfect fit. They were just perfect and they were super techie. So I felt like, okay, well, if I screw up, like it's not going to be that big of a deal because they know. Um, and I didn't even have my paperwork done. I'd been perfectionizing and dragging my feet. And then when I met this person, I was like, they got to be my first person. So I scheduled them and I finished up my paperwork and we met the next week. And that was probably the first several clients I got was just from talking excitedly on Facebook. I love that. It's really just starting with the people that you already know and that already yes. know you and just saying, hey, I'm doing this new thing. Just start talking about it. Um, and, and not in a recruiting way. Yeah, like, just a, hey, I'm excited about this thing I'm doing. Yeah. I think everything that we think we know about networking is completely wrong. I mean, we're, I don't know where the idea came from and I definitely subscribe to it that it needed to look like, hi, my name is Amber and I have a practice because that, A, I suck at that. So that was never going to work anyway, but nobody wants to talk to that person. So being authentic and being helpful is if you want a marketing strategy, that's it. Do that, do that in person, do that online, do that on the phone and your practice will get filled. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds easy enough. Yeah, right? Just be a helpful human like you are or else you wouldn't be a therapist. I love it though. It takes some of the pressure off to, um, you know, to just be this fancy person, to be an expert, to tell people all your credentials and your trainings and this and that. Um, you're just kind of showing up as a person um, and being excited about what you're doing. Yep, yeah. yep. And figuring out how to help. I think the cool thing when you're first starting out is you're not that busy yet. So you usually, usually, so you can use that time to offer help to other people instead of seeking something from them. You can be like, Hey, I'm building my practice. So I have a little extra time. I'm creating this online self-help, blah, blah, blah. What would be helpful for you? Like physician person, is there anything that your patients are complaining about? I could just make a quickie little YouTube video for you and send it your way. This is a missed opportunity for most therapists. They show up and say, I'd love to get your referrals. Um, but this is this is precisely how I talk about networking, which is show up and make yourself useful to that person. Yep. Figure out a way to make yourself useful. Do not ask for anything. Yep. And you will have your end. You will create your end just by being being useful and, and, and exactly. serving others. So, exactly. so you got your first client through just spreading the word, being excited about it, offering that free consult was important, mm-hmm. being authentic and helpful. Th- then what? Where did you go from there in terms of the marketing piece? So then I have, I've never worked in a private practice. I have no marketing or business experience. So this was a lot of luck about my inherited personality and just like being a productive helper bee. So then after a few sessions, I would notice like, oh, these themes keep coming up. I'm going to make a video for that client because I don't want to do diaphragmatic breathing again. And then they can just do it outside a session. Mm -hmm. So I would make like quickie self-help videos that in my mind I pretended was just for that client. I put them up on YouTube. I give the link to the client. And then those videos started. I did nothing to them. I mean, some of them are pretty bad. So but they still are letting people get to know, like, and trust me. And so then they call, I think for somebody to pick up an online therapist, when it's such a novel concept, you got to work harder at getting them comfortable with you. So video to me is where it's at. It's not just to me. Video is where it's at. Mm -hmm. If people are going to 
trust you. They need to know you. And video is the way that we're getting to know people now. Mm -hmm. So video marketing was the next piece. And then doing really weird novel stuff. Like we've talked about my Reddit Mm -hmm. interviews, showing up in novel places online that have high SEO and low therapist traffic Mm -hmm. so that you're one of the few therapists showing up there has been super duper helpful. I've gotten lots of clients from my Reddit interview Mm -hmm. and if you know anything about Reddit, which is R-E-D-D-I-T, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to market there. Yep. So it takes the pressure off. You are not there to market. You are only there to help and answer yep. questions. So you can just be your authentic damn self. And the kind of cool benefit is later, you have this online footprint that exists forever. Yeah, it's completely evergreen. And, yep. oh, and I want to talk about that in a second, but I want to hear more about... Um, your content marketing, because that's where you started. Um, you just started making videos. You started making helpful videos, ones that would be uh, useful resources for your clients. Mm-hmm. And again, it wasn't necessarily making promotional videos of, hey, I'm Amber, here, why, here's why you should come see me. Here's how qualified I am. It was, here's an answer to a question you might have as a person with anxiety or something like that. So I think this is this is really golden because a lot of therapists struggle to understand the the, the role of content. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about a brick and mortar practice, it's it can be slightly different. When we're talking about a big group practice, it can be slightly different and can have a different purpose. Um, that group practice owner may very well not be the one. It probably shouldn't be the one doing all the blogging and the videos, et cetera, because then you mm-hmm. just promote yourself and mm-hmm. you need to be promoting your clinicians. But for an online practice in particular, I think content is three times as important. And I also like what you said around just done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. Too many therapists get caught on this. I even had the therapist email me the other day going, Hey, I like, I've been loving your YouTube videos. I want to know like what camera do you have? What microphone you have? This and that. I'm like, dude, I have thousands of dollars worth of equipment because, because this is my full time, you know, this is my job. Like this is a content created driven business. And this is after years of doing it with shitty equipment or with my, you know, webcam on the computer but I, but selfie videos or whatever, just webcam videos, like it's all, it's all great. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the place that I eventually, I had a business coach who was so helpful in pushing me past some of my discomfort. And she really helped with this part. We talked a lot about like one of my, my central intentions in life is to be um, a helpful person. And, uh, if you don't know your central intentions, get to work on that because it'll help you make every other decision you need to. But she would say like, you're letting your ego get in the way of being of service. And you're telling me that service is really important to you. So you can always refilm that video later and make it prettier or whatever you want to do. But while you're waiting to put it out, somebody's missing seeing it who could have been helped or who may have avoided that panic attack in the subway or whatever. So stop being selfish and get it out there. And that was just so useful because I could put it out there. And instead of spinning about like, Oh man, what are people going to say? Be like, whatever. It doesn't matter what people say. It's not about me. That's huge. That's a huge shift in mindset and something that I think is really goes overlooked. The, The tendency is when we're putting out content or even just posting to Instagram, it's, this is about me. It's the spotlight is on me. When in reality, if you, if you look at it as just another way of serving clients, it takes that pressure off of you or that takes your pressure off of you for your life to be a certain way or like, 
you know, needing to have it all together or have the setting, you know, be perfect rather than just showing people, um, just, just showing up for people and, and positioning yourself as a helpful person right off the bat. So yep. that's, and if that's you, huge. If you do mess up, it's much easier to feel okay. And you will mess up. It's much easier to feel okay about it if you think, well, you know what? I was trying to be helpful mm-hmm. and okay, I messed up a little bit in that effort than like I was trying to be perfect and I messed up. That's a totally different sensation. Mm-hmm. It, you know, having shitty content is also a good way to show the progression of your content, <laughs> the progression of you growing and evolving as a person. So like just starting with a really simple video that a year from now you will look at it and you will cringe and you will go, Oh my God, that's so bad. Or the angle is bad. Or I was stuttering a lot. Totally fine. That's totally cool. And in fact, people like to see that transformation. And when people are looking at your current, your current stuff, or let's say your current videos and they become a true fan, they're going to look at your old videos too. They're going to look at everything and be like, Oh, we're, well, I want to see the, the, you know, the cornerstone episode or whatever it is. So, um, the point being, just just start doing it. Just start putting it out there. Yeah, um, and you know probably, well, you do know more about this than I would, but my understanding is that the older your content is online, the more the internet algorithms kind of reward you and get you found. Is that right? Like The, lo- the longer you exist online, the, the, the more discoverable you will be. Because at some point, Google sees that um, you are a site that has existed for a while and people continue to find, and therefore it must still be a relevant site. So I, I call this accidental SEO, where a lot of people, uh, without doing any keyword placement, any real content strategy, can sometimes rank up for you know a brick-and-mortar practice over time just by existing. So uh-huh. certainly, yeah, existing now and sticking with it is going gonna, is gonna to play to your advantage, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and if you do, especially in today's age or something like YouTube, you want to create binge-worthy content. So if you have one video about diaphragmatic breathing, you ideally want to have another video about nasal breathing or alternate nostril breathing and you want to reference that video in one video so there's there's a lot you can do with it and but strategy is evolving so rapidly like by the time this episode comes out in a couple weeks there's going to be something changed with youtube but um, again the point is just to just to try and just to start putting stuff out there um and allow for that imperfection so so we um Tell us a little bit about your content, um, getting on uh, sites that have greater SEO than you, which is a great rule of thumb. Um, so anytime people come to your site with lesser SEO from a site with better SEO, or in other words, more traffic, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to favor considerably uh, for you. Um, and the reason is we have these these quality scores, essentially. So um, how did you get the idea to do this Reddit uh, appearance? <laughs> Too much time on my hands, really. Um, I like Reddit, and so I've I've read several of their AMAs, which are Ask Me Anything. And uh, I work with iTherapy; they're the place where I get all of my stuff that I need to run my practice. And uh, their tech guy, Nick uh, Nick Fuller, suggested it. He was like, "Hey, would you ever want to do an AMA?" And he's total like tech guy, and he loves Reddit. And I was like, "Uh, okay." So. We set it up, and what you should know if you're going to do this is you can do it by yourself. This is not difficult to do. You can totally set it up. It takes all of like six minutes to make an account. What I would really recommend, though, is that you do two things. Read the little pamphlet that they give you about the rules of AMA, 
because you will get punished if you break them. The community is, um, the community does not mess around. And if you break the rules, they will let you know. And the other part is it's helpful to read um, some other AMAs to get a sense of the culture because I, I really lucked out that my personality is a natural fit for the culture. So I don't tend to get in power struggles with people. I don't like dig my heels in if somebody questions me. You know, I don't tend to do that. But if you do, then it's an internet culture and they will come after you. Yeah, and it's, it's beyond that. It's kind of an underground of the internet in a way for many people. Like, um, it's, it's a place where people can freely explore ideas, um, mm-hmm. and have an alias. And, um, it's, it's a place where a lot of people get their news, yes. <laughs> you know, where people go when they first open a web browser every single day is they, they go to Reddit and some are, some people are very deeply involved with Reddit and, and lots of different sub threads. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a vast kind of underground for the internet. And it's a place where I think most therapists would not think about tapping into in building an online practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing, I mean, you want to get places that have some sort of values match with you. And the thing that is a values match for me is that Reddit is full of critical thinkers. So lots of trolls too, but people who are really open to exploring new things like online therapy, but they're also really, really suspicious of new things. And they're going to want to know all of the details. And I love that. I would, I think one of the lessons that I took in building my practice was not to be afraid of rejection. Um, but instead to encourage rejection. So I am forever saying like, this may not be the right thing for you. I want to ask you a lot of questions to get a sense if this is. And even in the Reddit interviews I've done, I come with that kind of mentality. Like, I'm not trying to sell this to you. Maybe a horrible fit for you. Like, here are the things that I would steer clear of. And it's unintentionally kind of reverse psychology. People end up talking themselves into it because it feels less scary because they know I'm looking out for the danger for them. Yeah, you're not positioning yourself as this authoritative authoritative person that, that cannot be questioned. No. Um, or this therapist who has to know it all. Um, so I, I, I love that. Yeah. And Reddit is super fun. There's zero pressure because you just show up and people ask questions and then you answer them to the best of your ability. One thing that um, helped me a lot was pairing with Nick um, because he, while anyone can do a Reddit AMA, he knows the fancy magic skills to get you seen more readily so he did some back-end work where he contacted some of the sub-threads. So, for example, an AMA, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, goes up on, like, a main thread, and it's, um, you know, if people drop by, they drop by, but you don't get to advertise it. But if ahead of time you could get to a subreddit thread that was about depression and say, hey, I'm doing an AMA, I'm a, psycho- I'm a psychologist, if any of your peeps want to come ask me questions, here's the time and day, more people are going to show up. And then double, double level is if you happen to specialize in depression and they let you in their subreddit thread in order to do it, you have a built-in audience. So he was able to work some of that magic ahead of time for later AMAs and that helped tremendously. Very cool. Yeah. And I'd love to um, potentially link to Nick's website or something like that. Because I think that 
And a big part of this show is helping therapists differentiate between things I should do myself and things I should maybe get some help with. Yes. Um, and this might be kind of on the right on the line there in terms of some therapists who I'm already familiar with Reddit, I'm good to go, like I know how to kind of set myself up for success here versus I think a majority of therapists going, this is my first time even hearing about Reddit, um, I, I need some help navigating this thing. I don't want to do it wrong, you know, I don't want to break any mm-hmm. rules, like I think mm-hmm. therapists are tend to be very... Uh, uh, kind of rule breaking averse, um, averse to breaking rules. So, uh, I would say getting help with this, at least for the first time would be, would be, uh, pretty wise. So beyond Reddit, let's talk about some of the other things that you have done, um, to maintain a caseload or even to still Mm -hmm. stay present in the minds of people, keep generating new leads after you've done these couple things that have created that first kind of splash for you. Yeah. So the most important thing Uh, and I'm not dodging the question, the most important thing is to be a really, really great clinician. Because once you generate your clients, they are the people who are going to generate more clients for you. So if you're really great at your work and you hone in on the work you're great at and don't try to be great at everything, I know what I suck at and I'm willing to refer those folks on to people who are good at it. If you're really, really great and you pick clients who are a really great match for you, they're going to do a ton of your marketing for you. Then the other place that I tended to get a lot of clients is I am a big collaborator with um, other providers who are treating my client. And I mean anybody who could influence their mental health. So if they have a chiropractor and I can like ask questions of that chiropractor that might inform my work, like tell me about how what you're doing might influence their mental health or if you're seeing any tension in place at whatever, then that becomes another person who's going to refer to me. And I did a ton of that because, again, I had a lot of time early on. So why wouldn't I get in touch with all of their providers and see if we could provide the most holistic care possible for them? So that was a second really big referral source. And then the third um, – And all of these are really warm contacts instead of cold people that don't know me at all. So the third were colleagues. um, And the reason they referred to me was because I was talking so excitedly about an online practice. Many had called me to find out how they could start an online practice. And they were like, oh, Amber has some expertise in this. And I trust her not to be some knucklehead who's just seeing people on Skype. um, So I'm going to refer to her. So those are probably the three places that I got most folks from from people to people connections rather than just like Reddit or online footprint stuff. I think you should be doing your own podcast. <laughs> Why do you say that? And I know you have a few episodes. I do. <laughs> um, I just think you should keep keep doing it because you you just broke down something that can be very overwhelming. It is very overwhelming for therapists in a very simple way. And that's that's Say really more, hard John, to do. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I just said I said you know what are the other ways that you marketed your practice after you made that first splash? And you said okay, there are three things. The first one, you know, do good work. The second one, connect with your clients, other providers. The third one, connect with other providers who are, you know, doing the work. Um, it. I just think it's hard to communicate things in a way that doesn't overwhelm therapists. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, I'm going to keep telling you, you should start your own show <clears throat> or just be on my show all the time. Right. I'll just keep coming over here. Why do I need to buy this all is, this equipment? That's what Laura Long does. And I welcome it. Um, <laughs> so, um, man, this is, this is great. And this oh, might even be enough for, for most people listening to get a start 
right? And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna type all this up in the show notes and really outline things. But now I have my own list of notes. Nice. Like just as long as yours, almost not as pretty. Yeah, not as pretty because I am a real big fan of erasable colored markers and pens. Erasable markers. Oh my god! What's that it's all so about? Nice. And the company the is called Frixium. I'll have to show you. I have every product that they make, and they are totally. I feel like a makeup one of those makeup YouTube people. See the brush <laughs> that I'm using? It's a LX powder. Blah blah blah. Below. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These are amazing, and you can erase and redo, and they make things look pretty, and they make outlining courses so much more fun. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Fun, fun color coding for your life <laughs> and your business. Um, well, you learn something new every day. I didn't know there was such a thing as erasable marker. That concept yeah. is blowing my mind a little bit, but yeah, show, shows how show. little I get out. Yeah. Um, Next time I'm here, I want to see your notes looking like that. Look at that. Look at that. Nice. Yeah. So rewarding. That, uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. Um, Man, so we've got a lot here. Um, let's say for a, a therapist who is just just starting out, um, mm-hmm. and they've got the the setup right. So they've got in things in terms of they know which platform they're going to use, how they're going to charge clients, what their fees are, their website. Um, they've got a foundation like that. We, we won't go into that because we've done that before. And with Clay Cockrell's on the show. We did a lot of that. But for that that person, where would you suggest they start and how would you suggest they kind of create a plan? Yeah. Okay. So I would say two things about that. One is if you're going to dump your energy into one place, then you want it to be the heaviest hitting. So in terms of the kind of content, video content is going to get you the most bang for your buck. So if you're going to pick one thing, video is where it's at. If you feel super uncomfortable with video and I can't get you past that, then I would suggest um, doing something that has your voice and imagery. People need moving images. So even if it's a slideshow with your voice over it and occasional pictures of you, that is the only way you're going to build trust to get people into your practice. So, And it's only moving farther and farther in that direction, so you might as well jump on board right now. Um, And then the other piece about planning is, this is going to go against all the marketing advice that exists. Do it. Okay, here we go. I wouldn't worry so much about a plan in the first year. You don't know what your voice is yet. You're not going to know until you put your voice out there a lot. Um, I could be so much more strategic about what I'm doing, but some of what has worked so well are things that were just impulses that I like Reddit, for example, that were just an impulse. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And a week later we did it. And that turned out to be so much more important than the blogs that I spent forever writing. So I would say like, be comfortable with experimenting, but then gather data from your experiments and then use the data to help you plan. So it might be a great idea to blog every week, I suck at blogging and I don't like it. So I have to do videos instead because they're easy for me. They don't require planning for me and I can just stick them up there and not have to think about it. And then over the course of time, I can see like, whoa, this video got a whole lot of traction. Let me make more of those so that your plan is based on data. 
I do think it's important to know what you're supposed to do. So I listen to tons of podcasts, including yours, to get an idea of like, okay, so this is the generally right direction I should be heading. And then I also just experiment and allow myself to play because that's the whole point of scheduling your work in this way of like doing private practice is having some freedom to play. And if you're not doing that because you're just like, ah, it has to be this particular way, then it's going to be miserable. I think you we, can feel free to disagree. No, I was going to tell you, I think we must be kindred business spirits because this is a lot of what I preach, which is um, create content that is good enough, create content that plays to your strengths, and then learn how to make your own decisions and learn how to evaluate what's working. Yes. That's it, right? Yes. So, you know, when I had a, a, a client who was spending a lot of time on Instagram promoting her new brick and mortar practice, my my you know, my answer was, or, or my opinion was kind of like, I don't think that's the first place for you to start, but okay. if you're going to do it, do it, do it well, do it with a strategy. Um, and then, and then let's evaluate how it's working, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at how it's working and what kind of leads it's generating for you, what it's doing for your business. So that, you know, the cool thing is that there's a hundred and one ways to build a practice. Yes. The, 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 the conundrum is we get lost. We don't know where to start. We get very stuck and we end up doing nothing well. So exactly. we end up or nothing doing, at all. Or nothing at all. We just stay frozen. Yeah. Right. Or we right. spread ourselves out of over all these platforms and don't do any of them well and we don't move the needle forward. So when you know what works, double down on that. Right. And yep. um I, I think that's the cool part about content is that you have so many options now. Um yeah. so don't be afraid to try them out and then see what sticks and go from there. So yeah. well this is this has been fantastic and I'm just I'm gonna have to have you on again. That was the, you know, that was my intention from the beginning. Like be super helpful because then he'll want to have you back on. This is, this is the way that I, I mean, again, like in terms of, of, you know, kind of business mindset, this is something I think about a lot is serving people, serving others. Um, you know, I come from a, a, a service-based background and did a lot of nonprofit work outside of mental health for many years and um, been deeply involved with a a group called Appalachia Service Project, where I do I've done home home repair and construction for sixteen or seventeen years. So awesome. that you know, taking some of that perspective into how we serve people online is uh, it might seem like a stretch, but it's really pretty a pretty golden uh, opportunity. Yeah, and, and a kind of a cool mindset. And you can be of service and make profit. Mm -hmm. So being a service doesn't mean self sacrifice and martyrdom, but I mean, there are a million ways that you can be of service. So you can choose to narrow down the ways you're of service in the region that's profitable for you. So I just make sure that you guys are hearing that piece, that being of service is a great intention and it doesn't mean that you can't be profitable. In fact, the more money I've made, the more service I've been able to provide. Right now, 25% of my caseload is free. Mm -hmm. I, it's all pro bono because I'm making enough money in other places that I can do that. Mm -hmm. So that's like a perfect combination, right? Yeah. 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 And when you, when you are able to meet your needs first, you're able to actually do a lot more. Um, and you have more power and flexibility to, yep. to offer what you want to offer. So I think therapists get that wrong. They get it backwards. A lot of times, yep. um, they end up flexing way too much in the beginning before they've gotten their needs met. So, um, you know, it's, 
it's something to think about. We, we do a whole another episode just on that, this idea of service. Yeah, you should you know. title it with what you just said. Therapists flex too much in the beginning before they've gotten their needs met. Like yeah. that's a whole podcast episode yeah, right there. it's a big one. And it really plays into like, it plays into a lot of, for, for a lot for a lot of us, why we got into this in the first place, why we became therapists. And then it becomes our, our kryptonite. It becomes a crux for us. So it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Um, it's a hole we can fall into. So, uh, Amber, how can people get in touch with you and what can they do next after listening to this episode? So the next step that you should take is to get into the online therapist Facebook group. Uh, no punctuation required. So just type in online therapist group on Facebook and you will find us. Cool. Uh, we'll put you, a link to that as well. Please do. And you'll have the opportunity to give me your email when you sign up. Uh, I am developing a plan to be in touch more by email. You don't have to worry about me spamming you because I don't send out many emails, but my <laughs> ultimate goal is once a month to be able to pull like the most salient things that have come up in the group and put them in a super helpful email so that, you know, the Facebook algorithm doesn't show everybody everything. So this way you can get the really important stuff. I do Facebook lives all the time and I'm now going to be doing one at noon someday of the week regularly to offer helpful tips. So it's a really good place to be. And if you're like, yeah, 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 I need more structure, then you'll want to sign up for the wait list for my course, which is a step-by-step to starting up your online practice. It's an all the things guide. We walk you through every single thing that you'll need to do to get up and running, including paperwork and risk management, all of that stuff. So I'll also give you a link to the waitlist sign up. Very, very cool. Amber Lida, thank you again for being here so much. And I can't wait to have you on again. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. See you have soon. a great day. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the John Clark Cast. I'm your host, John Clark, licensed therapist, brand builder, marketing consultant, and guide for therapists. I help therapists build a better business without all the overwhelm. Do us a big favor and rate, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Hope you have a great week. See you next time.